Good morning. First Baptist Church Farmers Branch. I am honored to be with you today. My name is Cale Buckner, and um, I'm the Associate Pastor of Education at First Baptist Church at the Fields, uh, previously First Baptist Carrollton, uh, just up the road from you guys here. In fact, it brought uh, back some memories on my drive uh, to church this morning, passing uh, that campus on Josie Lane. Um, I was not going to make a joke, uh, but somebody already has. Um, I was going to say I have big shoes to fill this morning, um, but I don't think that's the case. I have spiritually big shoes to fill. Physically, I have small shoes to fill, uh, but I am so grateful for Jordan, his leadership. Um, as a church, uh, our church there at the fields, we are honored uh, to come alongside uh, this church. Um, I will say this, Dallas and Fort Worth Farmers Branch needs a strong First Baptist Farmers Branch. This community needs a powerful, strong, God-fearing, Bible-believing church. And I believe that you are standing in the gap. And I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for those that are here today, those that aren't, they're able to get away. Um, but I'm grateful for your heart for the kingdom. But most importantly, uh, your heart for Christ and how that has impacted your love for this community and your desire to see this community reached for the kingdom of God. And just know that as a church, we are praying for you, that we love you, and we want to serve you any way that we can. Uh, I, I tend uh, to uh, cr come across older than I am, and it's not because of my maturity. Um, oftentimes, it's my size. And so when I was starting in ministry, uh, I was 18 years old, sorry, 19 years old, and I've had the honor and the privilege to serve at the same church all of those years. I've served at, at First Baptist Church at the Fields since I was 19 until now, and when I first started out, um, I was just a young man from East Texas who came to Dallas for school and was a fish out of water. Uh, I grew up close to the Louisiana border uh, in a town called Henderson. It's about 30, 40 minutes from Louisiana, uh, southeast of Tyler. And I came to Dallas for school and, like I said, was a fish out of water. Um, but I knew one thing, that God had called me to ministry. Um, and I clung to that calling. I was in school. And by God's grace, I got connected with a church to serve. And when I got there... Um, I was completely unaware of how to do ministry. Uh, still am in many ways today. Um, but one aspect of that was I was 19 years old in school. And so my attire was oftentimes basketball shorts and a t-shirt, right? That's comfortable. Uh, that's what college students wear. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to dress comfortably uh, to go, and I'm going to serve at church, and I'm going to dress comfortably. Um, I've never gotten in trouble, except for then, um, and I got called into our human resource director's office. Uh, 
which is never a good thing. And she sat me down, her name is Tuesday, and uh, she said, Kale, we love you. We're glad you're here. Don't dress like that anymore. <laughs> and so I took that, and I was, you know, I was puzzled by that, but I went to the store and, and bought some collared shirts and things like that. But uh, I look back at that, and I wonder, why, why did she call me in to do that? And I remember this. I remember what uh, some mentors of mine were telling me around that time is that you're a minister of the church. And with that, um, you need to dress the part of a minister. Um, and so I had to put aside my basketball shorts and my T-shirts, and I had to dress the part. Um, and so today, we're going to talk about dressing the part uh, we're going to talk about dressing the part, not of a minister, but as a child of God. And it has nothing to do with outward appearance, but it has everything to do with the inward posture of our life. How are we today to dress the part as a child of God? Y'all have spent some time in the book of Colossians and um, I've had the honor and the privilege to, to listen to those sermons, to listen to Jordan. And um, much of the book of Colossians, specifically chapter 3 where we land today, is like building blocks. Jordan has been laying the foundation, and he's been, he's been putting one block on top of the next. Is anybody familiar with Legos? Um, that was... My childhood dream is to have as many Legos as possible. And Legos are little building blocks that children can take and they can build and they can create something. I see the, the excitement back there. I love it. Um, and so uh, we are building, we are using Legos of Scripture. We're building upon uh, the previous week, the previous passage. And so at the beginning of chapter 3 in Colossians, the author of Colossians, Paul, um, and I know that you're familiar uh, with this, but Paul, um, an apostle of Jesus Christ, is writing this book to those in Colossae, to the church in Colossae. In the beginning of chapter 3, he's reminding them of their identity. It says in the first verse of chapter 3, if then you have been raised with Christ and Jordan said it this way, and, that, and this is correct. It really is since then, not if you are a Christian, but because you are a Christian, then this is true of you. And it's talking about your identity as a child of God. The author is reminding those that are reading this letter of their identity in Christ, that they are no longer of the world, but they are a child of God and they are called to a different way of living. Jordan said this, and I, I, I so appreciate it. He said, changed lives live changed lives. That as a Christian who has experienced the grace and mercy of God, their life is changed. And because of that, they must live differently. And so in the beginning part there, it talks about the new self, um, the new self of a Christian, and it assures the people there of their salvation. 
And then a little bit further, uh, on June 11th, y'all went through verses 5 through 11 of chapter 3. And, and you were reminded that as Christians, the first duty is to take off the sin and to put on something different. To take off sin and to, to put on something different. It says, but now, again, reminds them of their salvation, their identity as a Christian. And so today, we pick up in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Paul, again, has reminded the people, you are set apart. You have a new self. You are no longer your own. You have put aside sin. And now this is what you put on. Going back to that illustration of when I was a young man in ministry, taking off these things that didn't fit my lifestyle, my calling, taking those things off and putting on and dressing the part of a minister. Uh, Many of you are also familiar, I'm sure, with school picture day. All right? I'm sure for many of you, it may have been a good experience. For some of you, it may have been a terrifying experience. But I vividly remember school picture day. My mother was a principal uh, where I was growing up. And so I really had to dress the part, right? I had to look nice and buttoned up for school picture day. Uh, But every other day was just a normal day. But for that specific day, I had to dress differently. I had to dress the part of school picture day. And so today, we are called to dress the part as Christians. I want to start verse 12. Chapter 3, Colossians, it says this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, And I want us to stop there before we go any further. Oftentimes we forget who we are. We forget that we are called out by God. That God has given us a new life, a new identity. Today, again, Paul reminds us. Put on then as God's chosen ones, that if you are in Christ today, you are chosen by God. And that means you are holy and you are beloved. To be holy means to be completely different. Everything around us is ordinary. Everything around us is typical. Everything around us is normal. Holy is the complete opposite of that. Scripture refers to God as holy, the perfect holy one, who is without sin, creator, sustainer, God, forever in the past existing, forever in the future existing, holy, completely different from anything that we can imagine because everything that we're surrounded with is Normal is typical, but it refers here to us as holy, that we are called to be completely different 
not typical, not regular, not ordinary, but holy, set apart. Paul, before we go any further, is saying, you listener, God has saved you. And because of that, that's the foundation of everything else that I'm going to address to follow. You are different. You are holy. God chose you. God set you apart. And you are beloved. And guess what? It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you living a good life. It has nothing to do with you doing enough good to be saved by God. But it's the love of God that he showed us. He stepped into our world and saved us. We are chosen. We are set apart. And then he says this. Put on then God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Remember, just before this, Paul is saying you've taken off this sin You've taken off the things that, that make you look like the world. You've taken off those worldly cloths and you've set them aside. And now this is what you are to put on as a chosen child of God. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You see, this passage that we're studying today is broken out into three different sections. The first thing that this passage covers is your position as a child of God, that you are born again. That's the foundation. And then it talks about these characteristics. Secondly, it talks about these characteristics that mark someone of a position that has been born again. It's this idea of putting on clothes, getting dressed for the day, As a child of God, you put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Compassionate hearts mean this. It is not fake. It's not a fake sincerity. Y'all were talking about your food distribution as a church. Y'all are to do that with compassionate hearts. Not fake sympathy, not sympathy for those that just simply are in need, but a gut-wrenching sympathy. Ron, you mentioned um, as you were sharing about that feud distribution that their faces, they had a genuine need, that there was a brokenness. As Christians, the characteristic that we are to put on are compassionate hearts a sympathy that when we see someone who is in need, it moves us. The Spirit of God moves us to have compassion on them. It's not a fake compassion. So many times today and in our society, I see fake sympathy. Fake sympathy. The people of God are called to the opposite of that. That they are to have compassionate hearts that deep within them they've put on a compassionate heart by the grace of God and that when they see someone in need, they are moved. The Spirit of God moves them to serve that person, to speak truth 
into that person. People of God have compassionate hearts. They also have kindness. I want to read a passage about kindness. Actually, I want to read two passages about kindness. Romans 11.22 says this about kindness. Note then the kindness and the severity of God toward those who have fallen. But God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Romans 3, or sorry, Romans 2, 4 says this about kindness. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? As people of God, when we look at these characteristics that we're called to, the things that we're called to put on, compassionate hearts, kindness, we don't look to the world for an example of what a compassionate heart means. We don't look to the world of what kindness means, but we look to our God, the creator, the true meaning of compassion and kindness. And God's word says that God's kindness to us pushes us to repentance. So when we see this, that as God's people, we are called to put on kindness, we look to our God, what does kindness mean? That when we were in our sin, In fact, when we were rebels against God, he loved us. He loved us. I had the honor and the privilege of going to Israel this past year. Um, It was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And when we were there, my wife and I, uh, we walked the Via Della Rosa, which is where many people say Jesus carried the cross to Golgotha. It was the road through where he would have carried the cross. And I'm reminded of that journey that Christ walked. Lived a perfect life, a sinless life, a life full of compassion and kindness. He carried your sin and my sin. He carried the cross, the picture of crime. The criminal's cross he carried for you and me because we were strangers and we were rebels to God. And he paid the price for you and for me. And God's word says that it is his kindness, that carrying of the cross, that sacrifice that Christ made for us, that when we were strangers, when we were alienated from God, when we were not only alienated but rebels towards God, in direct conflict with God, he loved us. That is what true kindness is for the believer. It says further that we're to put on humility and meekness, Has anybody heard the old adage, the old saying of meekness is not weakness? Has anyone heard that? That is more true now than ever. We served a God that was meek and humble. Did we serve a God that was weak? By no means. His posture of his heart was humility and meekness. 
He was not a pushover. He was genuine. He was humble. And humility is that antidote for the self-love that poisons relationships all around us. Our God called us to that, to be humble and gentle and meek. We're called to patience. The end of verse 12. William Barclay said that patience was this. Patience is when people's foolishness and their inteachability does not drive you to cynicism or despair. Patience is when people's foolishness and inteachability does not drive us to cynicism or despair. I'm the world's worst at patience. Lexi, is that true? She's being nice. I'm the world's worst at patience. And I'll make every excuse. Well, that person is just not teachable. That person, that person's being foolish. That person is acting in ignorance. So that allows me to be impatient with them. Is that true? No. Patience is when that inteachability and that foolishness drives us to kindness, not a lack of patience. So as God's chosen children of God, you have a position as saved and as redeemed, and you are to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. He then takes it a step further. Verse 13 reads this. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. This idea of bearing with one another. We live in a world that does not bear with one another. Amen? We turn on the news, we read the newspaper, and it's constant fighting, bickering, a lack of bearance for bearance for one another. And bearing with one another, Paul here is calling us as people of God, to forgive one another, even if the other person is in sin or error or debt to us. Even when the other person is in sin or error or debt to us, it's an unconditional bearing with one another. It's not dependent on their repentance. Bearing with one another is not dependent on the other person's actions, but it's completely dependent on our actions. You see, Paul is reminding us that the people of God, the gathering of the people of God, the fellowship, the local church, is a mutual forgiving fellowship. I'm sure that there are people in this room that maybe have wronged you, 
or maybe you have wronged. And this community of believers, the unity of this community of believers is dependent on you to bear with one another, to forgive that person, to love that person, even if they are in error or sin against you. It does not depend on their reaction. And again, Paul draws us to this assurance of salvation. I'm going to read verse 13 again. He says, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against other, forgiving each other, please hear this, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. God is not saying that there is no basis for your forgiving. No, he's saying that as people of God, as chosen as holy, as beloved children of God, you have been forgiven and set free of your sin and your chains to sin and to this world. And you did nothing to earn that. Paul is saying that it had everything to do with God's grace and mercy that he showed you. Grace is receiving what we do not deserve Mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. Let me say it again. Grace is receiving what we do not deserve. And mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. Because God showed us the ultimate act of grace and mercy by carrying the cross for you and for me. He's saying you have every reason to forgive others because I have forgiven you. Because I bared with you. I forgave you. And I want, us to, I want us to remember that Paul is writing this from where? Where's he writing this from? Prison. He's writing this in shackles. And he's saying to the people of God, God has forgiven you. Forgive those that have wronged you, even if they are in sin towards you. Put on the righteousness of God. I just reminded you to take off sin, to take off to, to I think as Jordan said, he used the illustration of get it out of there, right? The soccer illustration where he's, he's teaching these kids about soccer and they're kicking the ball and he's just saying, kick the ball out of there, kick it out of the net, get it out of there. You've been reminded that sin is now put off and you're putting on this righteousness of what God has called you to and it's founded and it's based on the love of God towards you. Verse 14, and above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I love that illustration of put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It's this idea of a belt, that you're putting on this belt, you're clothing yourself with this belt of love that's pulling everything together, that you are positioned as a child of God, and now you are called to have these characteristics as a Christian to put on kindness 
and compassionate hearts and humility and meekness and patience and bearing with one another, let all of that be bound up, wrapped together as a belt around you with love. To have compassionate hearts out of love. To have humility and meekness out of love. To be gentle out of love. To have a compassionate heart out of love. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this passage. The love passage. It says this. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3, if I speak in the languages of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. What Paul is saying here, he's wrapping all of these characteristics up together, and he's saying that if you have a compassionate heart, and that if you are kind, and you have humility, and you have meekness, and you bear with one another, but it's not motivated out of love, it means nothing. Because at the end of the day, if it's not motivated by love, then it's a false sense of humility and meekness and compassion and kindness. The kindness of God draws us to repentance, and his kindness was motivated out of love for us. He's saying, dress yourself. Dress the part of a Christian. The HR director that called me into her office was saying, dress the part of a minister. Dress the part of what God has called you to. Picture day. Dress the part for picture day. Put on genuine compassionate hearts as a Christian because you are chosen and you are beloved and you are holy and you are set apart. Take off sin, put on these characteristics that God has called you to. Put them on his clothes that make you who you are and wrap it all up with the belt of love. Dress the part of a Christian. Dress the part of a Christian. Verse 15 says this, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. This starts the third portion of this passage. Remember I said the first portion is your position with Christ, that you are set apart. And then it's your characteristics as a set-apart person, what you put on. And then it's your priorities. Your priorities as a born-again believer who's dressed the part 
of a child of God who's put on this genuineness, all motivated by love that's wrapped together. He's saying, this is now your priority. And he gives us three priorities. The first is salvation. I'm going to read verse 15 again. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. How do we receive the peace of God? Through salvation. He's saying, as a Christian who has dressed the part, let the peace of God, the salvation of God that he has called you to, let it rule in your hearts. Let it draw you to unity and be thankful for it. You were called in one body and be thankful. The first priority is salvation. The second one, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. God promises to bless his word. God promises that when you stand on his word, he will bless it. This community, Farmer's Branch, needs nothing more than the truth of God's word. Amen? Because the truth of God sets men free. The truth of God sets men free. And Paul is calling these believers at Colossae, and he's calling you believers at First Baptist Church Farmer's Branch to be reminded and to have a priority of salvation, to secondly have a priority of God's word, to let God's word dwell in your hearts, it says, in you richly teaching and admonishing one another, Teaching and admonishing. Teaching is the positive aspect. Teaching is showing your community, showing one another the truth of God's word. Admonishing them is oftentimes referred to as the negative aspect, the warning. Warning those around you of the judgment of God in love and compassion. And lastly... Our priority is to do all things for the glory of God, it says in verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. All right, spark notes now. Paul reminds us of your position that if you are in this room today and you are in Christ, you are set apart, you are beloved, you are chosen. Because of that, we are to put aside sin, which you covered last week, and put on these characteristics that God has called you to, all motivated out of love, bound up in love. And lastly, to have priorities as a Christian who has dressed the part of salvation, to let the peace of God rule in your heart, of God's word, to let God's word dwell in you richly, admonishing and teaching one another, 
And lastly, to live and do all for the glory of God. I believe in this church. I believe in this church. And I will tell you, First Baptist Church of the Fields needs a strong First Baptist Farmers Branch. We're on the same team. We're reaching the community. I believe in every single one of you, and God has called you to reach your community. Please know that we're praying for you. Please know that we're supporting you, that we're cheering you on. And one day we will be able to look back and we will be able to say, because we were faithful to what God called us to, Farmer's Branch was changed. Farmer's Branch was changed because we were faithful. Because we were reminded of our position in Christ Jesus. We put on true characteristics of a born-again, dressing-the-part believer. And we had faithful priorities to God. I want to end today. Um, we talked about the peace of God. That peace of God is only accessible through being in Christ. God does not give us peace unless we surrender to him. And so if there is anyone in here today, if you do not have genuine peace in your heart, Christ Jesus will give you peace today. His arms are open, and he's speaking to you today. I want you to bow your head. Here in just a moment, uh, we're going to sing a song. During that song is a time of invitation, a response. And I want to encourage you this. We are all to make a response today. Every time God's word is opened, Christians have a response to make. Am I going to do this in faith? Am I going to live this out in faith and in obedience? And non-Christians have a response. Am I going to ignore this and continue living how I want to? And there are only two types of people in this world, those that are in Christ and those that are, in, are not in Christ. Today, if you are in Christ, let your response be that you will leave today and you will make a conscious decision to put on these characteristics as a born-again believer to be changed, to reach your community. If you are not a Christian and you are not in Christ today, I encourage you, Christ's arms are open and he wants to give you peace, but you must surrender to him to receive that peace. Um, Kevin Ray is going to be down front here. I encourage you, if you want to make a decision today to receive the peace of God, go to Kevin. I'll be here on the side. You can come to me as well. But I just encourage you today to make a response and live faithfully. Let me pray. God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for who you are. Change us today. Make us who you have called us to be. Let us respond in faith and in Jesus' name, amen.